Good morning, good morning. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. How many is happy to be here this morning? I want you to look at your neighbor and tell them how fancy they look in their mask and tell them how you, you're so beautiful, so beautiful. We are grateful that you're here with us today. Um, hopefully for the ones with glasses, it's not fogging you up too much that you can see. Um, we are continuing our Go 2020 uh, sermon series throughout this month and uh, looking that uh, to be a part of a worldwide effort to bring the gospel to those around the world that have never heard the name Jesus, that have never received a witness of what he's capable of doing in their lives. And we're so grateful to be part of the Simmons of God as an organization, a voluntary cooperative fellowship, that we volunteer to cooperate together to take and send missionaries around the world. And we've been doing that for over 100 years as an organization, but it's been going on a lot longer than that as far as the church as a whole, the universal church, uh, church-wide. We're just one small part of the great body of Christ, and we all need to be doing our part to uh, make him famous and to make him known. This is week four. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn in Mark chapter 16, verse 15 is what we're going to read today, the Great Commission as it is known to be. Mark 16, verse 15, it says, And he said to them, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken them, he received up to heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for uh, universal uh, collaboration amongst the churches to join together in this effort known as Go 2020. Lord, to make your son Jesus famous throughout the earth. God, we pray today that you would equip us as your body here locally and regionally. God, that we would be able to be your witnesses to those that we come into contact with. And God, that we would be bold, that we could speak up, but we'd also show compassion and kindness and your mercy and grace would be seen through how we're living our lives. Help us to live like you, talk like you, and walk like you. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says, Amen. Amen. Missionaries that have attended here at the bridge over the past 10 years have got us into a mindset of understanding that a lot of the world that we live in has not heard that there is those regions and those people groups, maybe in the tribes of Africa or the jungles of South America, that people are still being reached and 
It's been going on and on and on for some time as organizations unite around this effort to make sure that nobody goes into eternity without hearing and witnessing the name of Jesus. And when missionaries come here in September and October every year, sometime we have the missions convention as a church and we invite missionaries here and many of you have invited them into your homes and we open them up our homes to allow the missionaries to stay with the people of the church and we're so grateful for everyone that's uh, done that and, and received the missionaries into your home. And whenever you do that, you get to uh, learn about them on a more intimate level and you get to hear from them about the things that they're facing around the world, maybe that they don't get to share during the whole service because time is so short when they're in the service itself. And we do events where the, every year during the convention that we uh, invite people to picnics and we go to mom's house. Last year we went to Todd and Sandy's down on the river. And we've always tried to give you ample opportunity to speak to the missionaries one-on-one -on -one and hear from them uh, about the things that they're facing, about some of their goals and their ambitions and the calling that's on upon their life. And it's always a great time for me and I always look forward to that every year. Uh, as pastor in this church that we as a church uh, join around them, we pray for them, we help them, we aid them and do everything we can to make sure that they know that there's somebody has their back here on this planet. Sure, Jesus is in heaven and does back them and push them forward and calls them to go to these places, but we're to join together and partner with them in prayer and in sending. And that's one thing Brother Branham come here so many years ago and preached one of our missions conventions, one of the first ones that you done when we began pastoring here uh, back in 2010. I think he was here in 11 or 12, I can't remember for sure. And Brother Brandon, he spoke a message that said, there's three things that you can do in regards to missions. You can either go, be a missionary, you can send them or help them with finances to get there, or you can pray for them. And he encouraged us as a church to do that, to either go, to send, or to pray. And we have been doing that for a decade now, and we've, if we knew the count of some of those missionaries that's went around the world, that's preached to people, that's seen people come to Jesus, that's baptized them, that's laid hands on sick people, that's done all these things that Jesus left us with as this great commission, that's going to go into our account. It says in Philippians chapter 4 that it talks about that whenever we sinned, and Paul the Apostle thanked the Philippian church that they uh, aided him and they sent resources to him when he was needing it when he was out on his mission trips. And he thanked them and he said that God would give into their account, it would go on their account, even though they didn't go theirself, but they just sent and resourced that they were participants in that effort. And whenever you give in the missions offering every month, I want you to know that it's going and it's reaching and it's accomplishing the things Jesus has for us to do with that. And it's going on your account. We never know what heaven's going to be like. And sure, the Bible gives us descriptions of different things. But I can just imagine someday you going to heaven and you've given in a missions offering or BGMC for the kids that's helped another kid come to hear about Jesus. And maybe that kid will walk up to him in heaven and say, thank you for giving that missions offering. Thank you for encouraging that missionary. Thank you for partnering with those that helped reach me. 
So we are part of that movement. But in Go 2020, it's a universal thing that all different denominations and churches and independent churches and all different types of people of all different aspects of the faith of Christianity are coming together and uniting around this purpose to go in 2020 to go do this and see over a billion people come to Jesus. The Bible says you have whatsoever things you ask if you believe it. So if we believe that it's possible for a billion people to come to know Jesus, we ought to be part of that. We've got to believe in that. We've got to trust that God will accomplish that thing that he set us out to do. And I encouraged you the first week of this to write down five people's name and put it on your uh, bathroom mirror or to write it, put it maybe on your coffee pot or something that you do every day in uh, some activity that you do or that you'll be in that same place all the time. And I encourage you to do that. Maybe some people don't brush their teeth. Maybe they'd rather drink coffee. I don't know. Put it where you'll see it so that you'll remember those five individuals that you're wanting to see come to know Jesus. And one thing, when the missionaries come here, one thing that I'm always astounded by is their ability to speak, and every time they're given an opportunity on the platform to talk, where we do the round table at the end on the Sunday mornings, is the name Jesus is mentioned so many times. I mean, they will say it literally, the name Jesus, in just about every sentence that they say. And it just is always impactful to me to thinking, man, maybe I don't say the name Jesus enough. Amen? Maybe I don't use his name enough. And I'm not talking about name dropping like some people do. I'm talking about using his name and authority he's given you and to speak his name so others can hear it so they'll know, and that's a way of witnessing. So don't be ashamed of Jesus. He says if we're ashamed of him here on this earth, that he's going to be ashamed of us in heaven. So you have to lift up the name Jesus, and you have to speak the name Jesus. And I want, to get, I want to encourage you today to get used to saying that name more often than you currently do. Begin to say Jesus in your communication with your friends. Begin to say the name Jesus maybe when you go through the restaurant or whenever you go to the grocery store. and Just begin to speak the name Jesus, and I'm encouraging you to begin to boldly do that and not browbeat people. I'm not talking about taking the Bible and beating them over the head and saying you have to believe just like me and blah, blah, blah. I'm saying speak the name Jesus. I think Jesus is a uniter, not a divider. Amen? I believe Jesus will bring together and cause people that even don't think alike or have different philosophies to even be joined together. There's all nations under the planet today. And all these services that are being going on around the world on Sundays, that so many different types of churches, so many different types of music and different approaches and ways of ministering the gospel of Jesus, but we're doing it in unison under the name Jesus. And if we have any banner over our life, it should be Jesus is King. He is the Lord of my life. So I encourage you to begin to do that more often than maybe you have in times past. So as I'm looking through this and thinking about this message for today, I, I thought back whenever I first came to pastor here at this church called Bethesda at that time, and we've renamed it to the bridge now, but this church in Lewis County that was set in order back in 1997, and Leslie and I was called here back in 2010 to come and to speak two Sundays to just fill in until they could find a pastor. And we came the first weekend and 
Pastor Wells encouraged us, and we come back the second weekend, and next thing you know, he went through the district channels, and they said, well, it looks like you guys are going to be appointed as pastors at the church in Lewis County, this little city of Vanceburg. And in September of that year, I preached a message It was entitled, The Revelation That Stops Hell. And I thought back through that message, and I've been thinking about that during this season that we're in as a church and as a people in society and in the world. And I thought back through that message, and what really made me think of it was I went back to the verse to put into this message today about how that Jesus took his disciples up on a mountain. And it was towards the end of his ministry, and it was towards the end, and he knew that season of time that he had here on this earth was short. And he cherished the time that he had with his loved ones, his friends, called the disciples. And he took them up on this mountain, and as I was reading through that and thinking about that a little bit, it, it kind of ties in with where we're at today. And in this verse in Matthew chapter 16, this is the place where Jesus spoke to his disciples and he asked them some questions. How long has it been since you've heard Jesus ask you a few questions? How long has it been since you've had communication with him where that he is speaking to you and you can feel it as a real movement inside of you and you know he's calling you to do something? I thank God for when those occasions happen and whenever those events happen that he leads you and he guides us. Just this past week I went in to get me a sandwich for lunch at a restaurant and I was in there and I was just doing what I normally do, going through the everyday thing. You know, you walk in the subway and you get you some food and, and you, you're just waiting along the counter and, and you get to the end and you, you get your drink and you get pay them and, and you head for the door. Well, I got outside, and I, I was standing outside, and I, I got in a truck, and I could hear this still small voice in my heart telling me that I was supposed to go and bless those people that just waited on me. How many knows every time Jesus has to do something, it just feels weird? It's just like, man, I don't know. Eh, maybe that ain't him. Maybe that's just me. So I sat down in my truck and took a big drink of my sweet tea and sat there, and I thought, I can't, I can't pull out. I knew it was him. And I got out of my truck and walked back in, and they had already walked in the back of the store, and they seen the, heard the doorbell ring and seen me walking in, and I'd just been there. They're probably thinking, man, did he take the sandwich that fast? What's wrong with this quack? What's wrong with this guy? And literally God told me that there was three young girls in there working. There's probably, I don't know, high school age, and one of them was a little bit over. Maybe he's in her 20s. And he told me to give them $20 at each. I just, I, I knew that I was supposed to bless them. How many's got more 20s than you can use? A anybody? We all need all of our 20s, right? I had a lot of stuff that I was thinking about what I wanted to buy with my, with my weekly allowance. Leslie gives me a weekly allowance. It's all stacked in my wallet. And I was thinking, you know, I want to do this with it or that with it. And, and I had all these plans myself. But Jesus is like, no, you're going to give it to these three girls up here. And as I was sitting there and I was thinking how blessed I am with the job I have to make the money I make, and these three poor girls sitting in there waiting on me to walk through a line to get my sandwich, 
And I took it back in, and I just laid it down, and I said, I'm supposed to bless you. And they just looked and smiled, and I turned around and walked out. That's all there was to it. But looking back, I wish I'd have said, this is from Jesus. Amen? This isn't from me. This is Jesus' 20s. So maybe I'll have to go back, and now I've got to go give them 20 more apiece now and tell them that Jesus gave it. So this is what I'm talking about, and putting this in reality for you that you understand what I'm saying. Be a blessing to people, yes. Be an encourager of people, yes. But do it in the name of Jesus. Make sure they know where it's coming from. Amen. This is not for me. I cannot do these things that I do. I couldn't wake up in the morning if it wasn't Jesus giving me the breath to breathe. Amen. Is there anybody here that understands what I'm saying? Jesus is our answer. He's our encourager. But in these verses, this revelation that will stop hell, how many would like to have a revelation that will stop hell in your life? Amen. That you will have a revelation walking out of these doors today thinking, man, that is reality. That is something I'm going to live. I'm going to witness this thing happen. There's going to be a revelation for you. I really believe this. Just as there was 10 years ago for those that were sitting with us when we first came. So Jesus standing on this hillside. And I'm going to switch over to that. I want to read it from the... I went back and I got all my sermons saved in my electronic device that I can go back and look. Matthew 16, verse 13, it says, Then Jesus came to the region of Caesarea. It was named after Caesar. This region was Caesarea. That, that word is named after Caesar. We know him from the story of Christmas, right? So this was Caesar Philippi. So it was named after Philip. And he asked his disciples, Jesus asked his disciples, and he said, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Who, whose men say that I am? So Jesus has these 12 disciples that are following him everywhere, that's listening to him. That's, uh, he asked them one time, they, he said, are you going to leave me too? And they said, where else should we go? You have the bread of life. You have the words of encouragement that I need. I need Jesus in my life. So these disciples didn't want to leave him. And Jesus asked them this question, well, whose men say they am? So that tells you that they're out there sometimes that he sends them out to go do these things in ministry, that he asked them to go. And he sent out 71 times to go do uh, ministry. And they was encouraged when they come back. They said, even the demons, even the sick are healed. It's amazing what all happens when Jesus sends you. But these disciples were asked by Jesus, whose men say that I am? I think Jesus knows or knew then who men said he was anyway. He even named one of his disciples one time. They said, hey, you know, you, I, I seen you when you're sitting over under the tree. Jesus wasn't there with him under the tree. Who knows what he's praying? But I'm here to tell you, Jesus knew where he's coming from. So Jesus said, whose men say that I am? He already knew the answer, but he asked him anyway. Simon Peter answered, because Simon's the loudmouth. He's the boisterous one. He's the one that's got to jump out front and be noticed first, right? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, which means the anointed one, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, 
And on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatsoever things you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So when we go, we got to understand. And Jesus is encouraging his disciples during this last point in time as he's taking them on this last final farewell bid, if you would want to say it that way, that he's walking with his disciples and he's uh, teaching them and walking with them. And he understands when he comes back down through Jordan this time that he's heading towards Jerusalem. This is the end. This is the last journey. The last long walk that he has with his disciples. And he's there speaking to them. Now, whose men say that I am? And it says in, I think, Mark, different way, and it words it out a little bit different, that it says the different people calls him different things. Some say you're John the Baptist. Well, some will say, yeah, you're the prophet Elijah. Or some say you're one of the other prophets. So these people start spelling out to Jesus. His disciples start telling him, here's who people are saying you are. You see, some people might know the name Jesus, but do they really know who he is? Do they really understand the power that he has on this planet? So as Jesus is hearing these words of people describing him as John the Baptist, or as Elijah, or one of the other prophets, he has to be wondering, why do they think I'm somebody else? I'm Jesus. But Peter's the one that says, you're the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. You're the son of God. So Peter has this revelation of who Jesus really is. And this revelation will stop hell. If you have a revelation of who Jesus is and the power he holds, hell will stop in your life. It has to. I'm not saying that it will be a perfect world because it won't. But I'm saying there's a peace comes on the inside of you. And no matter what comes around about me, amen, no matter what I'm going through, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Amen. If we have Jesus on the inside of us, we can walk in a peace and comfort in an uncomfortable world. We can live in the midst of these situations that we're in and knowing that Jesus is with us and we're going to be okay. Amen? we got peace about that. So if we have that revelation of who Jesus is the way Peter did, amazing things can happen. In Matthew chapter 1 it says about Jesus when he first announced that he would be coming that they called him Emmanuel. We know that from the Christmas story, right? Emmanuel, that means God with us. When Jesus came, people had a revelation that God was coming with us to live with us. What if we had that revelation today? The man, wherever I go, God is with me. Amen. When you go on the job site, Dennis, God is with you. Where you pull in the gas station, God is with me. Wherever I go in and eat, God is with me. Jesus is wherever I am. Amen. He will go with me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He'll go with me even to the end of the age. If we had a revelation of that, how powerful could we walk this Christian walk that we have today? Where Jesus means Jehovah's salvation. Whenever his mom announced, he will be called Jesus. John the Baptist, one time in John chapter 1, Jesus was getting ready to go into ministry, and he was about 30 years old at this point in his life, and he had his cousin that he had 
this guy named John the Baptist. They called him John the Baptist because he baptized a lot of people. He was down in the river and he was preaching a, a gospel of repentance. And he was telling people, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And John the Baptist is preaching in this creek. People are coming. He is baptizing them, this river of Jordan. And as he's doing that, Jesus comes walking down the hill. And John the Baptist is looking there. And we know this account in John chapter 1. As he's looking, he says, behold, the Lamb of God. What a revelation to have that the Lamb of God, the one that would be slain for your sin and my sin, that we could walk in a revelation knowledge that Jesus, the Lamb of God, is coming. Nathaniel, one of his other disciples in John chapter 1, called him Rabbi. That's who people are saying Jesus is. He's the Lamb of God. He's Emmanuel. He's, he's uh, the Lamb of God. He's a Rabbi. He's a teacher. Jesus taught things. Thank God for teachers. Amen. Thank God for teachers that will send out NTI packets. Amen. And FaceTime some people and get on some Zoom meetings and whatever you got to do to get it done. Amen. Hopefully everybody's finished. Amen. All these parents have been hating on these teachers for a little while. Got a little dose of their own medicine, didn't they? I think that's why we've got to be careful what we say. Amen. It'll come home to roost, won't it? Amen. There's one time I'm glad that we don't have kids. i got enough learning to do anyway. I can't teach somebody else. But not everybody had a fond thoughts about Jesus. Not everybody he come in contact with had a revelation that was a godly revelation. One time Jesus, in Matthew chapter 12, he's going throughout a place and the Pharisees, because Jesus did a good deed and had this thing that he healed some people and helped some people. Not everybody likes getting helped. Not everybody likes that Jesus heals. So Jesus is going about doing this good things because that's what he did. He came to, to do good deeds on this earth. And these Pharisees looked and they said, this is Beelzebub. They named him Beelzebub. They said, this is, he's doing these acts as Beelzebub. Why? Because he's doing it in the authority of Satan. There's people that think that Jesus is the enemy of humanity. That's not a revelation you want. But that's what men was saying he was. Jesus, one time in Matthew chapter 13, and as I'm going through these, just think about these. He's going into his hometown. And sometimes he didn't really want to go to his hometown. Wherever he's walking through, because what is he? Whenever Jesus went to his hometown, he was known as the person he was. They said he's the carpenter's son. They didn't know him as a revelation that this is the Christ, the Messiah. This is the one that... Uh, you know, that made water, wine out of water, and this isn't the one that does miracles. They looked at him as a carpenter's son, an everyday common man. Who do you say that Jesus is? What's your revelation of him? Peter had the right determination when he said what he said that day that you are the Christ. You're the Son of God. 
That's a revelation. If you want to stop hell in your life, begin to name the name Jesus over situations. If you're facing something and going through a battle right now and maybe a health issue or this or that, whatever you're facing today, begin to speak the name Jesus and the authority of heaven that is contained in that name. There is no other name under heaven whereby men must be saved but at the name Jesus. And I promise you this, it's a powerful name. What a wonderful name it is. Leslie sings that song sometimes. The name of Jesus. The demons tremble at the name of Jesus. If we'll use it for revelation knowledge, understanding, when I speak, mountains move. Why? Because Jesus said so. Peter had that determination right. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And I'm asking you today, is that your revelation of Him? Is that the authority that you're walking in today? Is that, how, is that how you're living your life? But this place that Jesus was standing in that moment, in that time, he was standing on this side of this mountain called Mount Harmon. And it's, it's a far end, kindly, of Israel. The northern part, he's, he's headed up north, and he's going to travel this last trek down through as he's heading toward Jerusalem. And he's up on the side of this mountain. And I want you to imagine this with me. Put on your, maybe not all of us, is, what's his name, Ross, or what are his name? Artist guy. Bob Ross. We're not all Bob Ross. I'm barely all stick man. Hopefully we've all got imagination though, and we can put it to use right now. I want you to imagine this mountainside. And this is a really this is the tallest mountain in the nation of Israel, and it's got snow caps on it. So just imagine that with me right now that you can see like the Rocky Mountains, maybe, and you see that snow cap along the top of it. And Jesus taking his disciples up on the side of this hill in this place, this northern region of Israel. And as he's up there, and he's teaching these lessons and teaching his disciples, and he's asking them questions. He's having communication with them. And as he's there, he, he begins to speak to them. And whenever, whenever Peter said, Jesus, you're the Son of God. You're the Christ. I think that's kind of like us. Whenever, anybody got a dog? Anybody got dogs? You got dogs? Biscuit, can, can you sick biscuit on something other than a biscuit, Ryan? I mean, no, he's he not very good. Skid him, skid him. Anybody ever do that to a dog? Go get him. I know Ryan does. He, he, he sick him on a groundhog or a squirrel or a snake or anything else that's around. Poor biscuit. I'm sure Sammy probably sicks his little bitty chihuahua-looking dog in the water puddle out there. I showed me a video the other day of her out in that big pond of one of them kids' pools, kiddie pools, and trying to scratch the bottom out of it full of water and just splashing, and it's a, it's a little chihuahua about that tall, 150 pound. But you can sick them, right? I think that's what happened to Jesus right here. He, I'm not calling Jesus a dog. But I think Peter, whenever he said, you're the Christ, you're the Son of God, I think it's like, to Jesus, that's like saying, sick him, sick him, go get him, boy. And I believe Jesus really liked teaching. But I also believe he liked preaching. And I can imagine him being encouraged by hearing somebody believes the truth of what heaven has declared me to be. The Son of God, I'm the Christ, I'm the Savior of the world. And him standing here on the side of this mountain with his disciples, he, he's probably like, man, I'm going to preach a good message right here. You all listen up. 
So as, Pete, as he does this, and Peter's like sicking him, sick, sick him, Jesus. Jesus began to speak. And it's amazing as he tells his disciples, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Blessed are you, Simon. When you get that kind of revelation, you are blessed and highly favored amongst God. Amen. Amongst your peoples that you're out here in the midst of society. Wherever you have a revelation that Jesus is the King of the earth and the Son of God and the Christ, I'm telling you, you're blessed beyond measure. He said, flesh and blood didn't give us to you. To get a revelation, you've got to get that from God. I can't preach a revelation to you. A revelation is something that's revealed to you. And only God's Spirit can awaken within you a revelation of what this is that I'm talking about. I'll do my best to explain it, but the Holy Spirit has to awaken it in your heart. And you have to pray and ask Him, reveal this to me. Show me this. Don't let me watch everybody else in my church. Don't let me watch everybody else in my organization. Don't let me watch everybody else in the world live with this revelation. Let me internalize this and live this thing out. I want this. Flesh and blood can't give it, Jesus said. But the Father in heaven gave it to you. And he said, I say to you, Peter, on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And as I began to study this 10 years ago and look through this message, I got a revelation of this that I had not ever encountered before. That I began to look up where Jesus was because I like history, I like geography, I like understanding when I'm reading something in the Bible that it's not just some fairy tale and it's not just some book that's got a few good ideals in it, but this is the truth. And the very place that Jesus was standing when he said this message to his disciples was on Mount Harmon. And there's this place on Mount Harmon and there's a cave inside of this hill, this mountain. Can you visualize this with me? That you're standing up there with Jesus right now. And there's this, there's this mountainside. And there's this big cave. And everybody from that region talked about that cave being a place that was the opening and the portal of hell. So Jesus standing there that day, right at this point on the place of the earth where that everybody says, this is hell. This is where hell is unleashed on earth. You following me? This is where hell comes out and runs amok in society. Everybody believed that. And they even made a false image. And it's called the God of Pan. The God of Pan. You can look this stuff up. And they created this God called the God of Pan. P-A-N. And they thought it was the portals of hell. And Jesus standing here beside of it that day. He said, Simon Barjona, you're blessed. And the things you're thinking. I'm going to build my church upon a rock. He wasn't talking about a mountain. He wasn't talking about a specific location. He was talking about a revelation. 
He said, I'll build my church upon a rock. This is the first place in your Bible that the word church is mentioned. Read all the way through the Bible. The very first place that church, the word, is mentioned is right here. They had never heard of this. They didn't think about this. And Jesus will use this word. It's called ecclesia, actually, in the Greek. And he said, this word that I'm using, this church that I'm going to build, this body that I'm going to make whenever I leave this earth, is going to be a blessed thing. And it's going to have revelation. It's going to have power. And he said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The very place where everybody has all these stupid stitions. Amen. I used to have them. I wouldn't close a knife that somebody else opened. Amen. I scared to death to look at a mirror and think about holding it. Oh, remember that, Ryan? Holding that mirror. I, I broke it. I don't care. What's a broke mirror got to do to me? I got Jesus living on the inside of me. Amen. I don't believe in that kind of stuff. Why? Because it's not of God. Amen. The Bible says I'm blessed if I got a revelation of Jesus. I ain't worried about some pocket knife and losing it and cutting my finger off. I ain't worried about none of that stuff. It said, Jesus told me, if I drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt me. I can walk on scorpions and they can't hurt me. Why? Because he said you can. If we got a revelation of that. Power, authority, and the things he left us with. But he said, behold, I've got the keys. The keys. Anybody got any keys? You lock your house, right? You lock your barns, your buildings, and everything else. You lock your cars. I don't, a lot of times. Leslie gets mad at me. But these keys give you access. Whenever you have the key, you have the authority. Jesus said, behold, I give you the keys. Of the kingdom. Think about that. The keys from heaven he brought to earth and he laid them in your hand. And he said, whatsoever things you bind on earth will be bound. And whatsoever things you loose on earth will be loosed. The keys Jesus left with you. But sometimes we don't take care of our keys. Amen. Anybody ever lost your keys? Anybody ever lock your keys in your car? Ryan went to Royal King the other day. He locks Royal King for some reason. Loves going up there. Lock my keys in my car. That's awesome. Anybody ever done that? Lock your keys in your car, and you know it when that door latch clicks. It's automatic. You think, oh no. Then you look inside and they're hanging there in that niche and you're like, oh, how dumb am I? I bought a Ford Ranger one time and I locked the keys in it every time I turned around. I don't know what it was about that thing, but it just, I'll constantly lock my keys in that truck. But Ryan had two guys come out and help him from Royal King. They said, okay, you locked your keys in your car, we can help you get that out of there. We got the kit and they come out and they help him and they go around there and get the keys out of the car and unlock it and, and he gets back in his car. And Ryan tells him, I, I want to give you something. For helping me. If I'd have called a wrecker, if I'd have called somebody to come and help me, it would have cost me something. I, I'd rather just bless you. And they said, well, we ain't allowed to take it. Company policy.
same thing for you, Ryan. What if you'd have said, Jesus wants me to give you this money? It ain't from me. It's from him. What keys do you possess today? Would you rather have these physical keys to these earthly temporal things known as homes and cars and churches and toolboxes and trailers and everything else? Or are you more joyful about having the keys of the kingdom of heaven that Jesus has left you with? He said, behold, I give them to you. He didn't say, I charge you for them. He didn't say, you have to do this or do that. He said, here's the keys. They're yours. Use them. What are you buying them? But I want to tell you something about this God that they was worshiping on the side of this mountain, all these other people around them. The God of Pan. It's where we get our root words today for a lot of different things in our language. One of the ones that I brought out whenever I preached this sermon in 2010 was panic. The word panic, the root word is pan. The God of fear. Has anybody ever had a panic attack? Hey Amen. They're no fun. Whenever you have one, it's, it's like a real thing. It's, it's absolutely nothing. You know, they can't explain it sometimes. They have no reasoning behind them. But whenever you have a panic attack, but it's, it's something that maybe ain't even really there, but your fear of it absolutely puts you in shock almost. That's the God of pain, the God of fear. Jesus didn't come to give you fear, but he came to give you a sound mind. Amen. He came to increase your faith. That's the keys and the revelation that we need in this place today. The gates of hell cannot prevail against a church that has revelation knowledge of Jesus Christ. That if we got the keys of the kingdom of heaven in our hands, and if we utilize them and use them to get access that we didn't have access before we become a Christian, I'm here today to promise you this, that if you'll walk and use these things for your blessing instead of a cursing to this world, the church will leave a legacy behind when we leave this old earth. Whenever he calls us out of here someday, they're going to say, I miss them Christians. Because the God of panic will take over at that point. But also another root word of this, and I'm done, is pandemic. This pandemic that we're in, 100% is not from God. It's straight out of the pits of hell. This thing that we're facing is not of God. Absolutely, 100%. I, can, I, I know that. I know that. I know that. I, that's a revelation that we can have. That this is not of God. What revelation do you have today? We've got the keys of the kingdom. And Jesus has left us with them. What are we going to do with them? What revelation do we have today? I want you to close your eyes. Bow your heads if you will. And I really want you to ask that what God would give you revelation. That His Word would become truth and reality in the situations you're living in.
rest of my life back on the track of my dreams. Everybody here, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you to give me a revelation knowledge of who you are and what power you've left me with. Help me to make you known, to make Jesus' name known, even to the kings of the earth. You promised me that I would be a blessing and not a curse. Help me to represent you the way Jesus did when he was here on this earth. Let me walk like him, talk like him, and act like him. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.